Nobody's perfect, especially myself. And this intro and my job as a podcaster. I did a whole segment today. Did a 45-minute podcast. Got done and realized record was not pushed. This was pushed as audio only, but I've got some video to show you. So I'm redoing it. Welcome, everybody, to the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host, Tyler Yonke, episode 238. Not going off of notes, not, not doing anything, just going to show you some things. We're going to talk about Folsom Crit. We're going to go over the results. We're going to show you some video that we got from there. And then we're going to do a recap of the Juro since the last time we met. Uh, I think we're looking about stage 11 through the finish so of today, which was... Um, Hey, some things happen. Uh, you think it's bad when I don't push record for a broadcast. Well, it's even worse when your legs decide you're not ready to go either. And if legs are back, I don't know, but that's that's the issue we have with Bernal. Spoiler alert, we're not going to get there quite yet. How about we take a look at, we, we had a um, race this weekend, uh, Folsom Criterium. I had cameras, two cameras on my bike, front and back, worked perfectly, put out a video. Uh, you guys can check that out. It's about whole race on there, about 45 minutes or seven, 50 minutes or so. Uh, and then I have another one on the same channel, the Between Two Wheels podcast on YouTube. Um, and it is just the last two laps and there's no commentary with it. So I thought today we'd just throw some things out there and talk about a few things so you get a little understanding. Um, and then you can watch the videos if you want or not. You can just do this and or listen to the podcast and be interested in it. And that's what we're going to do here now. So this was... 45s, uh, we had a good field out there today. I think we're going to show it here. You're going to see there's, I don't know, 50s plus in this field. And, you know, it's been a while since we've been racing. So what happens? This. Oh, sh almost. <laughs> I'll just say this. I'm going to skip through some things here. I'm not going to watch the whole race, of course. Uh, I'm just going to show you some highlights. And we'll fill in the last two minutes that we had there. Um, John Novikov right there in front of me and I were the only two uh, data-driven athletes in the race because we we're the only two that are old enough for that. This field was stacked though. You've got your masters, national championships, uh, champions, world champions. Uh, right behind there you can see, uh, you know, touchstone riders. You've got uh, Pete's uh, with, they have Dean LaBerge, they have uh, Dan Bryant, Jeremy Cattell with uh, touchstone, world champion himself. You've got Jason Grafath from Thirsty Bear. He's not a champion of any sort other than in our hearts. And oh, like a sixth at national. I don't mean to slight you at all there, Jason. Uh, sixth at national several times. I mean, the guy can time trial. He can race. Um, yeah. Dude, we, got, <laughs> we got people going all over the road. I'll tell you what, man. The first 20 minutes of this, I did not feel comfortable. And, and then it's like, wait, I'm a guy that rides gutters. I do all these other things. Why am I feeling this way? So then I got in a little bit of a move. With Mike Sayers, it. Um, if you haven't seen this race before in Folsom, we just did the first lap there, so you get a little idea. Of that last corner, not too much left for the sprint. About 200 meters or so to the sprint, little dog leg left as you come up to this finish line, and now you got it. There's just two square corners, so to speak. Well, one, the first corner, and then everything else kind of a little bit rounded. Great weather. Good to see everybody out there. Good fields, crowds. You know, like they told us, hey, don't show up. So. They, they didn't show up. My wife did. And I'm sorry if I uh, offended anybody on that. Okay, so the first 20 minutes, there's just a lot of this. There's just nothing really going on. Tyler is just sitting in the back of the, of the race. Not really much to get excited about. And then we'll skip forward to about 20 minutes in when I decide to finally uh, jump in a little move with uh, Mike Sayers. If 
finally feeling my oats a little bit as far as my legs go. And so I get up to this move here. Uh, Mike Sayers is in it. I, I bridged up to it. Uh, you can see the rear camera. I'd already got a little gap. And as soon as I get there, Mike Sayers is moving on. And these guys are just kind of not going to go. So I, I don't understand why, why that is the case. Mike's not killing the brake. He's just going up the road. So I jump on and we end up um, pushing pretty hard for about, I don't know, two laps or so. And a uh, Thirsty Bear guy ends up coming up to us. Mike was cracking my legs pretty hard. He really took the brunt of the, the efforts going around. Uh, unlike me, I, I tried to put in pretty good. I thought I was, you know, I put some pretty hard efforts in. Didn't uh, didn't shy away from taking my poles, but uh, definitely not to the point where he was. And then I would look behind, and the group was just we weren't getting away. Twenty minutes in, I wasn't willing to to do this out there. Now look, there were three big teams in this race. These are these are strategy things you got to think of, right? Three big teams in this race. There are um, Touchstone, which Mike is uh, look, he's a state champion, uh, showing the colors there for that in the 45s. Um, state champion, he's got Touchstone. He's got several riders in that group. Jeremy Cattell is one of them, who's a national world champion on the track. He had uh, Thirsty Bear, which had Grafath, Blaine. No, he's Blaine is too young. So there, the Nadal, there's uh, Jerome Nadal. There's a bunch of had several riders there, so they had a good contingent. They would chase things down. Uh, they're not in this move. Then you have uh, Pete's, who has Dan Bryant, Dean LaBerge, Kyle Glaram, uh, several guys, uh, Jason Boynton, I think Jason was in this. I know he's in the 35s. Uh, so good contingent of all those. They're going to chase things down. There's no Pete's in this. There's no Thirsty Bear. Um, Mike and I are not going to stay out. And you can see that the, the group's only, you know, four or five seconds behind here. Uh, as we get moving up the road, and I'll click up to it, uh, guy does end up coming up to his thirsty bear guy at that point. I'm just kind of like, eh, not really into it. Although the, f <laughs> the field seems to be, uh, he's not really working either. So it's kind of dying. The field seems to come out for me. It was more of a point of getting my legs into it. And, um, you know, there's a few other moves here we can go to later, but you could, you're feel free to catch the whole race, um, that you have this Jerome, uh, he is a JD Bergman. So good contingent here. Let's go to the finish, the last two laps or so. This R for R guy starts really putting the hammer down. And of course, I want to be there for uh, the move. So kind of get here a little bit. There's just two of us. What I decided was I told John this earlier, you know, you always got to have a strategy and you can't contend, have contingency. You can have a lot of contingency plans, but you can only plan for being able to put yourself in the position and then using your head to do some strategy and you have certain little things that you just do. Now, what kind of rider are you? We talked about this last time when I did a breakdown of, of Mark Tucker's race, the Chowchilla of racing to your strengths. So mine is helping John lead out. John does a really good sprint. He's a powerful rider. We're not the greatest on the breakaway. So we tried to keep things together for, and, and look, there's at this point, there's three guys up the road. There's Jason Grafath, Thirsty Bear. <laughs> Once again, all the three greats. Jason Griffith of Thirsty Bear, Dan Bryant of Pete's, and Jeremy Cattell of um, Touchdown. So they're away. I had points in here up to about six to go. I decided to really put it some effort to try to bring them back. It was still hovering around 20 some seconds. There was not enough uh, feeling of the whole group to help us out. Thirsty Bear and them, you know, Pete's like they're on the front now, just kind of keeping it spread out for um, Dean LeBurge and just kind of making sure it's safe. This R4R guy starts really pushing it here now. You can see behind me. This is my two minute video, um, the little segment there. Okay, so you got this. So you can see behind me the Vel Kings guy in there, but uh, I'm not too concerned about his sprinting. 
and by the way, I can't really see behind me. I just assume John's going to find me. So we have contingencies. My thing is we would rather, you could see how wide open this course is. We would much rather be in the front and too early in the front, hang me out to dry, even as a lead out than to be too far behind and trying to catch up. You're doing, you know, 40 miles an hour trying to catch up and then you're going to sprint no go and then you can see when you will see this here when the sprint does take off that that was a wise move john can surf wheels that's just kind of the way we we work he knows when he gets on my wheel how to push himself around he's a big enough guy so sb has been following me up here um and he's got sayers on his wheel i don't know where john is i just said hey john will find me boom comes into the picture uh, I'd be interested to know what SB says to him here. Probably like, hey, John, how's it going? John's just like, doom, on my wheel. But there's really no problem. SB is a great rider, and he does some great work here coming up for Mike Sayers. I don't know if he knew he was going to be recruited for that, but he is. So we're coming into the finish here. This R4R guy is blowing it out, and he's really putting on. But for me, this is perfect. I want a high rate of speed. Uh, I missed this in the first few laps of the race. This is exactly what we need. I like the, the, the fast. He's standing up he's going i mean uh, this was perfect couldn't have been better except for we're at one lap to go and what am i supposed to do <laughs> i'm supposed to do this now the same follow this guy for uh what he just did gives me the elbow i'm like immediately thinking what do i do no i gotta go i don't i'm not gonna i'm just gonna go here i can uh, where i can and push it on until we get and i start hearing yelling behind me right now so i'm hitting it harder and you can see here goes chris Aspie. Look at that. Mike Sears yelling. I yell at John to get on the wheel. John does a great job. There's, and then Fairbanks gets on him. So you've got three touchstone, one data, and then a break there to Rouse and Jerome. A little bit of a move. Now, boom, Mike Sears hits up there. SB pulls off. John actually separates from Fairbanks. John actually gets separation to um, Sayers. So Sayers rides Mike uh, John off his wheel. John actually never connects. Fairbanks gets ridden off the wheel. Fairbanks actually doesn't hold off the field here. Sayers ends up soloing in for fourth place. Remember, there's three guys up the road. Jeremy Cattell gets the win. Three guys up the road. Uh, Sayers gets fourth. John gets fifth. And eat pretty easily for those two. And me. I was really expecting that I had the dead last place on the day. But no, it was actually... Chris Espy was behind me. He did a great job. I uh, talked to him. It was really nice talking to him after the race. Uh, we went out a little bit in the 35s as well, and I'll give a little breakdown on how that went. We'll go over the results in full. Once again, great day out there. Sierra Nevada putting on a good race. Uh, it was good to see a bunch of people out there that uh, Nate Dunn of Data Driven Athlete Coaching showed up. So I was glad to see him out there and uh, talk to all you guys that we uh, ended up to at the race. Uh, you know, look, for, for not for being your family and friends, they, uh, they, they showed up pretty nice. Take a look at the results where Jeremy Cattell gets the win, Dan Bryant in second, Jason Griffith in third. I don't know if he made a deal with those. I think the rumor was he made a deal uh, that he wouldn't sprint for the finish on those. Mike Sayers in fourth, John Novikov, J.D. Bergman gets the rest of those. Jerome, Stefan Hoffman, John Fairbanks. Um, who's the guy in R for R? I, could it be this Dennis Hopp? I don't know. I need to find out who that was. He was a or Hayden McKay, maybe him. Uh, Kyle Glaram, Phil Roberts. Yachikawi, and look, solid, solid group of riders, including Tyler way down there in 50-some. 50s, 50s, um, happy to, to be a part of that. Okay, uh, I had cameras going for the 35 race uh, that came up a little bit later. I don't know what happened. Either the data ran out or the cameras died. I thought I had I changed battery. I don't know. 
know, sometimes you're just not sure what you're doing there. Uh, however, I got about nine seconds uh, the front cam, so it stopped before the race even started. The rear cam got about two and a half minutes, which was too bad because right behind me, um, it's a turn the first corner. You start to you can see where um, SB and Sayers jumped and John went with them right around that area. They had a big crash about four minutes in. Some guys clocked some handlebars or something, came around. Uh, people piled into the back of, of uh, Ryan O'Dell and John Novikoff. They both broke their carbon Madones. Bummer. Uh, Jeff Dale has a video out there. You can kind of see it. I took a screenshot and posted it up on our, uh, our Facebook page, I think. You can see a picture of that. Uh, kind of a bummer in the 35s. Uh, but I did enjoy the 35 race. It was pretty fast. Uh, we had a little bit. We had good results there-ish as well. Uh, maybe we'll go through all the results. And that we can uh, share this. See if we can share the screen here again. So uh, once again, really cool to have the, the racing back there in Folsom. That was actually the last race I'd done of 2020. Then the whole season went kaboot. Okay, let's just go through this. Look, I would suggest you go to Sierra Nevada Racing and find the results from there. Search for your favorite rider out there and give them uh, some, some whatever. Look, the elites, there were some issues about field size and all this and the elites fours and the novice five, they had a big field. I guess some of the rumor is that, um, you know, typically you have a bunch of new people sign up, then during the year they're able to upgrade and move on. Then you can next year, exact same thing. 2020 put a kibosh on a lot of that. So these guys weren't upgrading where therefore Kind of a packed field with the fours and the fives. Cassius Anderson, no team, wins a 19-year-old out of Novato. Evan Opsel of Azura Concept. From Truckee, 20-year-old. Keith Knight, 29-year-old there. This is the fours. It's good to see some uh, somewhat younger. Uh, Lee Lu of SJBC in third, um, fourth. Matthias Reniger in fifth. Nikolai Anger, Brandy Lee, Ethan Hennessy, Connor Austin, Gabriel P., in the top 10 there and look at that we had uh, 56 there that finished probably about se almost 70 years ago women three four novice laura smith gets the win for c4 Kovaras, madison petrolli danica brayback danica brayback we ride with her quite a bit her dad jason did the 45s with us uh he was pretty active good to have him on the lead out team there and she's like 18 she's a strong rider uh yeah she's 18 gold river uh, good job danica samantha hamilton jillian kazara Lindsay Raven, Kristen Wolf, April Willoughby, Christina Davis, Serena Marshall in the top 10 there. Check, once again, check out your favorite writers to see how they did. Uh, the Elite Three Fours, Peter Young, Kindermans, uh, no team, 34-year-old gets the win. Evan Opsel, you remember he was uh, first in the four, uh, the novice, the four novice. So he shows up in the Three Fours, gets second place. Uh, Velissa Rapticus, Brian Ramirez Cortez, Andrew Sanders, Nick Love, Damian Kulog, Alex Hansen, Brandy Lee, Matthias Reniger, some of these, Casillas Anderson, some some of these same people, uh, Lilu, uh, in the top 12 there for the elite three fours. Once again, another good field. 35 three fours. Blaine Ashley, Thirsty Bear. Look, Blaine actually does really well in the 35 one two three strong rider thirsty bear i had mentioned a few weeks ago how he had lapped the field and i kind of jason said i was mocking i didn't mean to do that uh congratulations anytime you lap the field um he's obviously a strong rider which we'll say chris flower told me that last time he won a race he beat this gentleman <laughs> so, i don't know what that says we just started to throw that out uh but congrats to him he had a good he had a very good weekend uh racing there um nikolai coaster alexander Komposh, mike 
Chiqui Dejeli, Brian Petro, Nicholas Terriol, Sean Gilson, John Kretschmann, Derek Daniels, and Alexander Vermolevich. That's uh, guys giving me a tough time on my names. Um, 41-year-old wins all the way down to Boneright, Boatwright, 11th place. Uh, good job there. The the field, once again, in the 40s or so. 45-1-3. We talked about that. Jeremy DeCattel, Dan Bryant, Jason Griffith, Sayers. I'm stacked here. stuff here. Kyle, Phil. I uh, just love to see all these uh, great racers out here. Um, Jason Brown, Tyler Yonke, way down there in 52nd place. Coming in strong, but I think I was, uh, I did some help for my team. Uh, 55, 1, 2, 3, 4. Uh, Greg Chapla of the Davis Bike Club. Ted Toribio of the Sierra Nevada. Rick Lawton, RFR, Make-A-Wish. Nabil Saman, Bicycle Lawyer, Fair Oaks. In fourth, Michael Harrison, the Sierra Nevada. In fifth, Keith DeFree of uh, the DeFree Cycling Team. In sixth, and once again, you can go through all those. Ken Todd, you got to call him out. Eighth place in his own race for Sierra Nevada. Calling the, the, the game for uh, the announcing there for most of the day. 61-2-3, Jeff Quayle, Vela Kings, Kevin Willits, Jonathan Lane. I think they may have all raced together. Uh, 35-1-2-3. Let's talk about that real quick. So, and since I was in this race, and then I'll talk about the women's. I saw some of that. Um, and then we'll talk about the pro one too, and, and we'll ditch out for that part and talk about the Giro. So the 35-1-2-3, similar, although this field was even bigger, uh, we had 58 finished there was quite a few wrecks so close to 60 70 riders in that race as well once again i mentioned there was a wreck took a bunch of riders out like you know four laps in you know john's computer i think said four and a half minutes of riding that he did so uh took a bunch of riders out they got back in nothing really happened in the race during that time other than you know losing skin losing bikes as far as uh, dynamics in the race however later on the race Start getting uh, people up the road. Uh, Mike Sayers, Stefan Creason uh, for Data Driven Athlete. They get in a little move. And next thing you know, there's ones and twos get up the road. And we have nine riders away now. So you have Sayers. Uh, I think Casey Fallon had been in there as well. So you had, um, you know, the big teams are all represented. Touchstone had one, two, or three. You had Pete with two or three. You had Thirsty Barry with a few. So no one was going to be bringing that back. J.D. Bergman was up there for Cliff Bar. Uh, data-driven athlete. We're fine with with Stefan up there. He can he has a decent sprint finish, and you know take out a group of nine. We felt that it was uh, perfectly fine for him to be up there. Um, with that said, John crashed out. So what we were down a man. We had Chris Flower. He did a lot of work, and then myself. So we felt pretty good about uh, the situation as far as how it was going to go. In the end, the break stays away. Mike Sayers does a move similar to what he did. In the 45th, he jumps away on the back, solos in, he posts up, brushes off his shoulders. He had a nice win there. Uh, Blaine Ashley, who we saw won it previously, he gets a field sprint over uh, Stefan Creason, data-driven athlete. So we get third on the day. Uh, I was actually able to take uh, the field sprint for 10th place. Uh, look at that. Dan Bryant, Jason Griffith back in there, Brian Schuster, Jason Boynton, J.D. Brigman, Jeremy Cattell, all these guys up there. Um, it was pretty, uh, I felt really good about my sprint. Uh, I was able to hold off SB, Jerome, Kevin Willits, all these guys that uh, sprint pretty well. So um, not not such a bad day for uh, the Yankee man and data-driven athlete. We had a lot of good time. Um, the Elite 2-3 race, Team California gets the win with Quentin Felton, Glenn Wallen, uh, Velo Reno, Wesley Mariama, Davis Bike Club, Garrett Smith. He was really active in the race. He was several breaks. I think they did have a breakaway. Um, you know, part of this, we were partaking in snacks 
adult snacks and uh, watching the race on the side of the road and not necessarily paying attention. Uh, Stefan uh, got 12th there. We had to uh, quickly cut his number between the races, so put a number on so he can uh, do two races back to back. They had a pretty decent side field as well. The women, one, two, three. Evelyn Williamson destroyed everyone in the sprint. Uh, Lisa Cordova, Eleanor Velez, and by the way, uh, Melanie Wong was there. She did the uh, men's 35 uh, race, so uh, good good for her, good having her in the field. Uh, the P123s, we saw this. We um, Ride Bikes Bros got an early break. They also were chasing, chasing down that break at the same time. I'm not sure what's going on with that. Uh, you had some other riders. A few people were getting uh, spit out the back. For the most part, came down, did not have a break. Came down to the uh, sprint finished. I was expecting, you know, Josh Carlene, Matt Michael to do something like they normally do. Um, 43 and 40 years old, respectively. However, Taylor Vicari of the Chico cycling team blew everyone out. Easily gets the win. It was impressive to see. Uh, Chris was telling me that he checked the speeds there. And coming into the last corner, he was doing 40 miles an hour in the last corner. So he was obviously posted his his sprint up on the backside went into that corner obviously i think he had to break or he would have ended up in our uh, tent there uh but taylor wins nick baird of ride bikes bros gets second matt michael gets third josh carlene mark morton jonathan lee of trainer roden yeah good for him uh peter jan kindermans gets seventh eighth arton durensoy jd bergman ninth cameron uh so jd you had a you had a solid day there getting um some some three races in and some solid solid racing good for you guys so that was a that was a fulsome crit uh, a lot of fun i was really uh i had a great day i just spent all day all day out there uh, a lot of fun to see everybody and for the most part uh you know it was uh it was days of reminiscing getting to see your friends you know you go out to chowchilla it'd been a while and you suddenly realize how much you kind of miss being with everybody even those riders you hate I was like nice to and having it. No, there's no, there's no hate in anybody. Uh, why don't we go to the Giro? Uh, the last time we had talked about bike racing, uh, you know, sorry, it's been a while for a podcast uh, that the, the race itself was make sure we got this here. There we go. Um, the Giro, I think we had finished up on stage 10. So stage 11, and I'll just swiftly go through some of these and then talk about uh, stage that we had today. Um, the results, uh, Mario Schmidt gets a win for Quebec over Alessandro Covey, Harm Hauk, Debris, and, you know, he did pretty nice. It was good to see Quebec kind of get off the schneid with that. Uh, stage 12, this one was a little interesting because he had a break going away. There was some pitchy stuff near the end. This um, uh, Andrea Vandrum uh, for IG2R, he was kicking out. He was in a group with Chris Hamilton, great climber, uh, George Bennett, another great climber, uh, Gianluca Brambilla, another really good climber for um, Trek. And he was dropping them. They had a tough time kind of getting back up to him. They did, though, and then they needed to get away from him, and they could not do so. Coming into the last two so kilometers to about one and a half, um, he and Hamilton kind of took off, and George Bennett sits up, and Gianluca Brambilla did not chase them down, and he's like, hey, you need to do it. Now, George Bennett, his his commentary after the uh, – and then uh, Andre – Vendrom, Vendrom ended up easily beating uh, Chris Hamilton. Ham, you know, he's got all these climbers out there, and then this one guy that can sprint. So he takes an easy win. And then behind in the sprint for second uh, for third and fourth, Brambila kind of cruts over uh, George Bennett. So they swapped those two around in the results and gave it to uh, Bennett. Now, there was some contention between these two, and they both were slighting each other. I even think Chris Horner uh, was kind of siding with Brambila. I, I took the uh, – I thought – 
George Bennett's commentary afterwards were pretty much right in line with the week. Like he goes, I can't sprint. I'm a, I'm a pure climber. There's no chance I'm going to beat any of these guys. So I'm not going to then extend any energy and any possibility I may have by trying to close gaps for this guy. Who's just going to sprint me. You do it. You know, you stay on these guys wheels. I already tried to get away and it didn't work. Um, and that guy was, was basically blaming him for, if we don't want to be in the finish, you know, you need to do the work. It's like, well, he kind of said he didn't want to, so it's up to you. And then you maybe cut him off, uh, due to the fact that you were, uh, upset about that. So coming into GC, Bernal gets 45 seconds over Vlasov, Caruso, Hugh Carthy, Simon Yates, Bachman. And we'll just take a look here. Um, so, you know, riders come in and out. Evan Pohl, you remember he's been losing some time, 222 out uh, going into stage 13. That one was won by Nizzolo. Uh, it's got Alfini who had gone through some of his hometown there for Jumbo Visma. He's trying to lead out for Gronewagen, comes into like the last, I don't know, five, 600 meters and he comes around a corner, has a little bit of a gap. Bora Hansgrohe team didn't close that. He then kind of has a flyer and you've seen this with uh, Cantelara a few years ago, did that at the tour and, and um, Jumbo Visma rider did that. I'm trying to remember his name that did that a few years ago in the Tour de France as well. Either way, he's got a little bit of a gap. They're not closing it down, and it looks like Alfini may actually get the win. Jim Cono, Nizzolo takes out in the win about 300 meters, hits hard, goes left, gets on like Viviani's wheel, and then cuts way right to get onto Alfini's wheel, and then goes back left, as you can see in the photo, to the win. I mean, he was clear wheels on all these guys, but with, the, <laughs> with that said, maybe you didn't need to be dodging and weaving so much. Uh, but anyway, they, they didn't really give a shit. He, he won, and Bernal, once again, same GC. Now, next day, a bunch of these uh, sprinters, I think Nazolo took out, he left, uh, you know, Grunewagen's gone, and they're pretty much saying goodbye to the Giro, and it's up to Zoncalon, so no surprise there. And you get the win by Lorenzo Fortunato, He's on the Iololo team in Cometa. It is the team run by, um, maybe you've heard about him. Uh, what's his name for um, Spanish rider? Well, my goodness, it's, it's actually uh, leaving my, um, he was with Trek, he was with Discovery. Everybody knows it. Contador. <laughs> How do I forget Contador? I was just going to say he was a, a tainted meat. Um, so him and then the other tainted meat guy, uh, uh it's all skipping my head. Jeez, this is this is why you don't do work in the end of the day. Um, the the other Italian, that's the DHS for that team. Anyway, doesn't matter. He gets the win. He gets in a breakaway, and he goes to battle with Jan Tratnik, who looks more like me going up the climb with a little bit of neck fat. And he it was impressive because that's a steep climb. They ended up staying away, and he only beat uh, Tratnik by 26 seconds. However, further down the slopes. Um, up the Zonkalon, you ended up seeing Bernal destroying everybody, going through them, getting rid of even Yates, Oliveira, uh, Daniel Martinez, Caruso, Hugh Carthy, uh, Roman Bardet, and Evan Pohl loses three minutes to the overall and about a minute, two minutes or so to Bernal. Uh, the overall, Ber uh, Bernal gets uh, in the lead a little bit more by 133 over, over Yates, who moves into second, Caruso. The third, Vlasov, Carthy, Evan Pohl down at 3.03, and way down here, Almeida, 8.32 back. Keep that in mind. Uh, next day, Campanarts gets out there. It's some rain going on. He It's a, some climby stuff. He just is going over the top with his Alpecin Phoenix rider, Oscar Riesbeck, and he is on the gas. We've been seeing him do this all spring long, usually pulling for someone else in a crazy way, but he gets the win 
pretty impressive. He's a little bit of a strange dude. Nothing changed in the overall GC. Uh, of course, there are, um, one of the days, uh, the Bora Hands Grower uh, main guy for them uh, dropped out. He uh, got in a wreck and dropped out at the uh, top there. Next day, we had stage 16. This was impressive. It was going to be 200 and some kilometers, 220 or so. They ended up cutting down to 153 and two climbs due to the weather. They were afraid of snow. Then they couldn't even have cameras. It was wet all day long. It looked disgusting. Uh, and the last climb pitched over the top with about 20K to go. And you couldn't really see what happened other than Burnell um, distance. Everybody ends up going out for the win. Roman Bardet comes in only 27 seconds back. Damiano Caruso with him. Uh, Ciccone comes in. Hugh Carthy loses a minute 20. Almeida comes in uh, right around the minute 20 as well. And I think about 20 minutes down or so, you ended up seeing Evan Pohl. Evan Pohl, where's he at? So Almeida moves up to 10th at 10 minutes back. Uh, Evan Pohl drops all the way down to 19th at 28.07. So that puts a little bit into, I don't know about perspective, but it puts a little bit, and then they had a rest day, and then today's stage 17. It's a little bit of perspective about the Dequina Quick Step team and what they're doing with their riders and who they protected, and maybe their strategy overall wasn't so great. Coming into today, stage 17, and we'll look take a look at this profile real quick. Uh, pretty good, as you can see, um, last two climbs were pretty good. This one, uh, second to last climb, the Paseo, di san valentino uh, it was about 14k and then the last one the sega di ala i think it's the first time they've ever done that one and it was about at least a 10k slog and there were some steep pitches in that thing and that thing did come out to play uh, the thing being the mountain and it kind of um kind of worked everyone over uh dan martin gets in the break uh and coming into the last climb he only has like maybe close to two minutes he ends up winning by 13 seconds uh, 30 seconds or so over the next guy. We'll don't want a spoiler, but uh, Almeida and Yates and a good amount of distance on the others. The point is, it was very impressive for Dan Martin to be solo the whole entire last climb, 10K. It's got that pain face going. Simney, I'm sure it's a face you would love. Maybe not. He did, maybe. <laughs> good thing they don't have podium girls that have to kiss them anymore, right? Um, but it was very impressive for Dan Martin. Further down the slopes, and during the day, you saw Johnny Moscon was in the break with Dan Martin that kind of relieved Ineos from doing having to do the work in the field. And you saw Bike Exchange on the front doing a lot of the work, stretching this thing out, single file for a lot of the day. I personally tend to think that that played good for Bike Exchange. Why? Because if Ineos is, is tasked and they're like, you know, we're going to let you do it and they're tasked to do it, they didn't really care about this group up the front. There's no one in there that was really of concern. Dan Martin, you know, obviously was there but he had lost a bunch of time already so they weren't really too concerned about him as far as the overall i mean he moves up today you know to seventh at seven minutes back so you know not too much of a threat as far as that goes they probably would have let that gap go even further as it was bike exchange made them work harder and then we saw their leader have some trouble today with that in mind as well, there were some other factors that came into it. The second to last climb, they come over that and they start in the descent. And next thing you know, there's a big pileup. Um, you got Giacconi's on the ground, uh, Vincenzo Nibali, Evan Paul hits, slides out, hits the barrier, kind of goes up and over that, tries to get back on. And by the way, you saw right before on that second to last climb at the bottom, he just pulled himself out. And then next thing you know, by the top of the climb, he had got himself back into it. 
I don't know what the deal is with that guy's uh, descending, but it's obviously a big issue. I haven't seen him descend, you know, this or major guy descend this poorly since maybe Thibaut Pinot back several years ago before he kind of got his head on straight. Now, granted, you can talk about Evan Pohl and maybe give him some leeway for the fact that he had this horrible crash at Lombardi. Uh, Lombardia goes over the you know the side and he hasn't raced since then. But this Decorna Quick Step team comes in with co-leaders and instead of as soon as Almeida had a bad day, they said, we're not co-leaders anymore and you need to do what you can now. He was criticized for how he kind of reacted on the Strada Bianca day. But since then, he's cut himself out and gone back and done as much work as he can. I'd be really interested to see, especially after how we saw him contend today, how much time, bar the first day that he had a bad, would he have actually been and where would he have been? You know, if you give him two and a half minutes or so, he's on he's in fourth place. So... By the way, so he had a brilliant day. So I just say with his record, immediate record being last year in the Giro, Almeida, why do you put all your baskets, your eggs in the basket of the 20-year-old who can't descend, hasn't raced since Lombardia, and what, because he's Belgium? I guess so. Um, with that said, you start seeing the climb. Early on in the climb, Vlasov, he's suffering bad. He's got a teammate with him, but he's yo-yoing out the back. Then you see uh, Hugh Carthy. This is all the while Mikhail Nieve and some of the other bike exchange riders are pushing it on the front. Carthy only has one teammate, Alberto Bettiol, but it doesn't matter because he's suffering. He would be able to stay up there if he could, but he couldn't. Uh, then when the fireworks really hit, it's Almeida that strikes out first after um, Danny Martinez and uh, Castro Viejo for Ineos start to do the work. They have Johnny Moscon up the road, Ineos as well, but they have Bernal. Castro Viejo, and then Dan Martinez. Um, then Almeida strikes out. I want to say about four or five K to the top, about halfway or so up the climb. And Yates decides to come along with him uh, and he brings with him uh, Bernal. And luckily for Bernal, comes with him is Danny Martinez. So you've got Almeida, uh, Simon Yates, Bernal, and Martinez. They're going up the road. Uh, then the, those top two, Almeida and Yates, kind of keep exchanging blows. Next thing you know, it's a suffer fest for Bernal. He is popping and he's popping bad. I didn't. I thought maybe he was going to start page boying back and forth. Luckily, he's got Martinez there to help pace him back. And, and initially, Martinez keeps dropping him because he's not able to just stay with him because um, he's going so much harder. Uh, that is, uh, Martinez is than Bernal, but they're losing distance immediately to Almeida and Yates. Almeida and Yates go up together to the 1K to go. Almeida actually attacks, doesn't look like it's much of an attack, just kind of hits the gas, ends up getting about 15 seconds, uh, actually a little bit more. He comes in 13 seconds behind Dan, uh, Dan Martin. And 30 seconds is where Simon Yates comes in behind Dan Martin. So, you know, 17 uh, seconds there between the two of them, good split. But they put almost a minute on um, Egan, or, I mean, yeah, Egan Bernal. The problem I saw with some of that was Bernal and the the way that the other riders ended up being in that race for him. Caruso, Pelo Bilbao were also suffering. Now, they obviously want to move up on GC, and the problem I started to see was they were sitting on Bernal's wheel, which is perfectly fine. Make him do the work. He's suffering. Make him really hurt. And now you want to kick someone when they're down necessarily because you do want to because you don't know what's going to happen in the next day. You might be, you know, recover and be fine. But instead of just all you had to do 
um, Caruso was separate yourself for maybe a few feet from these guys and then just ride your own pace. He instead drifts up to him and he starts, he and Pillababau set the pace for these guys coming into the finish. And I think that helped um, Egan Bernal not suffer too much more. Look, put it all on Dan Martinez, uh, sit on them as long as possible. I know Caruso that you want to get up there and you want to salvage your own top, but what you could have done was maybe spit Bernal out the back and then made it much more uh, beneficial for you going forward. But he didn't. He and Pill Bilbao, they, they basically paced uh, Egan Bernal all the way to the line. And there you go. Stage 17. Now Bernal in the lead by 221 over Caruso. Caruso, man, you could have really closed the gap there. Uh, 323 to Simon Yates. Flass off back to 603. I thought the most interesting one, Giacconi had trouble on that climb too. Uh, Almeida up to eighth place at 845. And like I said, if you take about two and a half minutes off of that, he goes up into fourth place. All right. So what do we have tomorrow's Thursday? And you're going to get another flat day with a little bit of, little bit of pitch there to it. Uh, but not, not a whole bot, a whole bit. I don't know who's left for sprinters. If Sagan's here, he's uh, got a good chance for that. Uh, then Friday, you're going to get some more climbing here. So we get another, you know, 10 K in the last climb. That'll be good for, the entertainment Saturday once again big old ass climbing they go up right away from about 70 or so and all the way up and then kind of stay up at that elevation for two more pitches on the day before they come into the final time trial 29.4 kilometers pan flat I think Caruso is kind of the the one I would say is best set for that and as far as the top goes there um, I think Yates has a better chance of doing a time trial than does Egon Bernal he could do it, but it's 29.4K. Who knows what's going to be happening at this point and how these guys are going to fare. Uh, I personally, um, Yates, you need to be a little closer than that. So we'll see. Does And then that's where the, the question is, do we see Bernal suffer once again like we did today? I mean, the crack on him was immediate and it was harsh. Uh, once again, you saw the, the race the other day where they had, you know, long climb he's out solo he only gets 20 some seconds he lost a minute in you know just a few kilometers up that climb and um i think it could have been worse once again if uh caruso and pillow hadn't have uh, tried to it's are they trying to get a contract for next year for ineos i don't know who knows who knows so we've got that coming up um once again i criticized the corner quick step for kind of their in hindsight of picking uh grown uh evan pole over Almeida so harshly and then you know the press made a big deal about it about what a horrible teammate he was for not coming back I get it but now in hindsight you're kind of like well he shouldn't have come back I mean if he, he lost more time that day probably two plus minutes that day you know and the fact that he didn't and I've seen him coming back more and more but the more I start to think about it you go yeah why we have thrown all everything into the basket of this 23 year old who has proven nothing as far as it's the first time he's ever done a stage race last year you saw Almeida doing well and successful i don't know okay so bike racing in your area i think at two creeks this week uh, road race here in northern california um i hope you uh, got to see some of the video if you want to check those videos out there on our youtube page you go there for that um we are on facebook as well we're also on odyssey anytime i'm going to start doing some more videos of breakdown because they do not have uh, world tour stuff they do not uh nail me for copyright so i'll be up there as well other than that, get out and ride your bike. I had a little complaint I could do about my daughter's graduation. I will lead that to a different podcast. Find me out there on those if you can as well. 
Thanks, everybody. Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 238. I was so glad to be back bike racing. I hope everyone else gets a chance to do that as well. Other than that, stay safe. Enjoy that Giro. We've got just a few stages left. And then the Tour de France, everybody. Take care.